relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace... If you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to that speech. Every time it gives me goosebumps. Standing there at the Brandenburg Gate, clarity and moral vision about the bipolarity of the Cold War with one side that stood for liberty and freedom, the other imprisoned nations under the jackboot of the Kremlin. The American president says, tear down this wall. To the General Secretary of the Communist Party, and 17 months later, it wasn't Mikhail Gorbachev. It was the captive peoples of East Berlin who, with sledgehammers, with chisels, took apart the Berlin Wall. November 9th, 1989, the glorious day in history. I'm so excited when this man comes on our show because I get to geek out on a topic that I love so much. It's the Cold War and our victory in that Cold War. He is the editor-in-chief of The Spectator. Welcome, Paul Kengor, to America First. Or rather, welcome back. Well, well greetings uh, from a fellow uh, Reagan geek, Sebastian <laughs> Gorka. Greetings to you. Yeah, I, th- I think we can collectively say we are uh, Reagan, Thatcher, and St. John Paul geeks together. However, only <laughs> right. one of us has written a library of on those works. Eric, do we have some of the books we can show? So my favorite is Dupes, How America's Adversaries Have Manipulated Progressives for a Century. Then we have A Pope and a President, uh, John Paul II, Ronald Reagan, and the Extraordinary Untold Story of the 20th Century, and The Devil and Bella Dodd, One Woman's struggle against communism and her redemption, and so much more. Um, I'm going to tee this up with a real simple question, Professor. Uh, uh, <laughs> did we win the Cold War? Well, yeah, we definitely won the Cold War. Now, I, I know what you're getting at. It feels at times like like we didn't win, right? I mean, we, we won the battle in the on the battlefield, so to speak, the sort of ideological battle and the confrontation between the free West and also the communist East. But I guess you could say we lost the battle in the classroom, right? Right. And as you and I have talked about before, we're battling today an altogether different form of Marxism. And in fact, this Marxism in a way is kind of even more in 
insidious because a lot of the people that are engaging in it don't even know that they're on the side of it. And when you were, when you use words like cultural Marxism to explain what they're doing, they might go, even if they do this, they might go to Google and type it up, and a little box pops up on their screen saying anti-Semitic conspiracy theory, right? You know, it's, <laughs> or, 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 or let, uh, let, let's 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 break that down for a second because this is this is really truly important. Uh, Chris Rufo and, and others have, have written about this as have you so um we have the bipolarity of the cold war we have free nations america nato the west we have the soviet bloc the second world people think okay what's the third world okay we know what that is well what was the second world it was the communist bloc it was the warsaw pact under the control of the kremlin and then the threat of thermonuclear destruction mutually assured destruction until november the 9th and we say okay uh, we won the ideological conflict with the Soviet Union and the satrapy states. But then there's this other form of Marxism, the less obvious Marxism, the cultural Marxism. And will you just for a second explain, A, what that means, and the recent history in the last, what, four years, five years, of, for example, the Internet entries, such as on Wikipedia, for cultural Marxism, and what have happened to those entries, Professor? Yeah, in fact, I wrote a piece for the American Spectator. It's called uh, Cultural Marxism and Its Conspirators. And I did a follow-up piece called Cultural Marxism and Its Conspirators Part 2, where I laid out what's going on with Google and some of the different search engines on this. But I'll back up a little bit here first. I, I mean, we could blame this once again on, frankly, German Marxists, right? I mean, the, so the original classical Marxism, that was Marx and Engels. They published their Communist Manifesto in 1848. And that pitted the world between uh, you know, this, the, this proletariat versus the bourgeoisie, right? The capitalist class, the oppressed class, and the oppressor. And then along comes about, gonna do my math here, maybe about 80-some years later, another group of Marxists from Germany from the so-called Frankfurt School. And this, group's, this group conceives something called Freudian Marxism. They actually take the worst ideas of the 19th century, right, Marx, classical Marxism, and combine them with the nuttiest ideas of the early 20th century, Sigmund Freud. And they create this this school, this fusion called Freudian Marxism. So it's a kind of sexual Marxism. But but here with with the, the Frankfurt School and the Marxists who apply their craft to sexuality, culture, gender, all these other different areas, they're once again the, the, the general Marxist superstructure is to, is to identify the new oppressed versus the new oppressor, right? That's how all of this sort of ties together. So for Marx and Engels and the classical Marxism, it's the working class versus the capitalist class, right? The landowners versus the workers. With the, with the Frankfurt School, it's based according to culture, with the modern-day race-based Marxists, it's, ba- it's based according to race. So you know, whites will be the oppressor, blacks will be the oppressed. And what, what's so incredibly simplistic and offensive about this 
is that it, it, it hammers you into one of these groups as if um, that's an easy binary way to just define the whole world, right? You're either in this enemy class or you're not. You're either in the oppressed class or the oppressor class. And in fact, things don't work out that easily. It's so many people, look at America, this melting pot. I mean, you know, your family was immigrants. My family came here from Italy in the early 1900s on my mom's side, from Poland on my dad's side. And I mean, my family, we did, we got Christmas coming up. Last year for Christmas, we did Ancestry.com DNA tests. Uh-huh. I got to tell you, we're all over the place in terms of ethnicity, right? I don't see how you could put us in any certain box, let alone uh, black or white. In fact, my youngest son, who's adopted, is um, considered black. But um, we haven't done his test yet, but he's probably half white. Um, Barack Obama's half white. <laughs> Barack Obama's mother was white. So to simply stick people in these categories, it's very stereotypical. It's very offensive. But, um, but this is what today's Marxists are doing in America. Could you go back to that Frankfurt School moment? Because I don't think people appreciate this enough, this this concatenation, this devil's brew of Marxism in terms of class, you know, revolution. And then you add in Freud, one of the worst ideas of the 20th or 19th century. So what, what, what did the Freudian addition to Marxism bring? Uh, was it the sexual liberation? What was it? Yeah, sex was a big part of it. In fact, this guy is really not so much a part of the Frankfurt School, but he is part of that milieu and that general movement. His name was Wilhelm Reich. Yeah. And people could look this up, Reich, R-E-I-C-H, Wilhelm Reich. And listen, folks, he literally wrote the book, The Sexual Revolution. So his book, published around 1929, 1930, was titled The Sexual Revolution. So people listening now are thinking, oh, yeah, The Sexual Revolution, that's the 1960s. Yeah, it was in America and in the West, but long preceding it was Wilhelm Reich. And and in fact, fact, Reich was such a a freak show that when he went to the Soviet Union, the Bolsheviks (laughs) were were just aghast at this guy, right? I mean, they they didn't even want, want any part of him. So he comes back to America, and you can read that book. You can read his memoirs. His memoirs are really weird. And and Wilhelm Reich, from the time that – I don't know if I can say this on Salem Radio Network, but, uh, I mean, the, the guy from the time that he was a little boy was just – sadomasochistic, uh, just a sexual freak. I mean, chronically doing things sexually to himself, to farm animals, fantasizing about his mother and watching his mother in bed with her lover and watching his father attack his mother. Just crazy. And you read the, and I'm going through all this because when you read the ideas of some of these people, you think, wow, and this is the author of the sexual revolution? Yeah. Yeah. That so many people in the 1960s, like Kate Millett, who wrote the book Sexual Politics, which was her dissertation at Columbia in the late 1960s, and ended up on the cover of Time magazine, which called her the Mao Zedong of the women's movement. Wow, this is who they followed? And Kate Millett was even weirder, probably, than Wilhelm Reich. In fact, I know Kate's sister, Mallory, who's written for Front Page Magazine and a bunch of other publications. And I'll say this flat out, Seb. I mean, Mallory's on the record repeatedly saying that she thought that Kate was not just psychologically messed up, but but flat out uh, possessed by demons. 
Uh, Kate, Kate, Mallory has actually said that. And, and, and Mallory has said to me, you know, one of the things I'll never understand in my life is all these people at all these colleges that were suddenly using my sister's book as required reading in their college courses didn't realize my sister was insane. Yeah. She was out of her mind. And here they are reading her book like it's this, you know, the brilliant work by somebody. My sister was crazy and possibly even 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 demonically possessed of all things. Yeah, I'm going to tie that theory into something I heard from one of the smartest people I know just a few days ago. We talked to Paul Kangor of Grove City College and editor-in-chief of the American Spectator, spectator.org. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First one-on-one. If you enjoy the deep dive with real, real experts like the good professor, make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for my name, Sebastian Gorka. Leave a five-star review and do share the links with your friends. And if you've had it with the cultural Marxist in America who are turning our country into a police state and you want to stand up against them, check out the Christmas bundle in support of the 45th President of the United States. It's the yard sign. It's the mug with the booking photograph from Atlanta and the flag. I stand with 45, all available at sebgorkastore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A store.com. Threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. China, Russia, India, Brazil, and Saudi Arabia are conducting international trade in local currencies, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration sends hundreds of billions abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure. However, the biggest financial threat may be coming from within. Central bank digital currency is real. Patents have been filed and the big banks have released plans for implementation. The vets at Midas Gold Group see tyrannical implications. The end of cash? The end of financial privacy? Big government able to see your every purchase? Could there be ties to a social credit system? You can own private currency. Gold and silver. Get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call Midas Gold Group today at 855-322-GOLD. That's 855-322-4653. MidasGoldGroup.com. Christmas is almost here. I've actually bought some presents. I don't feel that bad. Not as last minute as usual. How about enlarging the group of people that we bless this Christmas? The Prison Fellowship Angel Tree Program is one of the most beautiful uh, organizations that we partner with every year. Why? Because they are spreading love to the children of America who are most vulnerable. More than one and a half million girls and boys have a mother or father who will not be with them this Yuletide because they're in prison. These children are exploited, they are vulnerable, and more than two-thirds of them will end up behind bars themselves. Let's break that cycle. A Christmas gift costs just $25. They will receive it on behalf of their incarcerated parent with a note of love that they are not forgotten and a children's Bible. It is literally the most beautiful thing you could do this Christmas short of being there in Bethlehem. Please support these children. $125 is 5 250 is 10 girls and boys who will have a slightly brighter Christmas because of you. Please call in your Christmas contribution to 888-206-2794 or just go to sebgorka.com and click on the Angel Tree banner. That's 888-206-2794 or just go to our webpage, sebgorka.com and the Angel Tree banner. Please be generous. 
it's such a beautiful thing to do. Um, you mentioned this, this thing that we don't talk about enough, Professor, the influence of the uh, modern psychoanalysis, the Freudians, the sexual revolution as part of the modern uh, Marxist uh, cultural takeover. I was having dinner with one of the brightest guys I know, Rich Miniter, one of the, the dying breed of, of real investigative journalists. If you want to check out how good he is, his books on uh, losing Bin Laden and on Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and the mastermind on Khalid Sheikh Mohammed are, are just essential reading if, if you want to understand the jihadi threat. And he once, I, I think I can reveal this, he came up with this idea. He was working for the Wall Street Journal and they never greenlit the article, but he had the idea to go down to Occupy Wall Street. Do you remember Occupy Wall Street? You know, the oh, yeah. anti-capitalist. Sure. And he said, I've got an idea. I'm going to go down there. And the same thing would go for the Bernie bros a few years later and ask every single one of those, you know, socialist, communist, let's take down Wall Street. One simple question. Tell me how you feel about your father. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. That, that there is this... These people aren't healthy. If you look at the Frankfurt no. School, if you look at Marx himself, if you look at Engels, these people, uh, they're already damaged before they try and preach to others to destroy the system. How much of this, when you look at the, the key figures, when you read Witness by Chambers, when you read the book, the Bella Dodd book that you co-authored, how much of the modern socialist communist movement is simply the propagation of, of sick ideas from people who themselves are psychologically and psychiatrically sick? Yeah, in fact, Paul Vitz, who was a sociologist at NYU, he wrote a book a few years ago, probably a couple decades ago now, called Faith of the Fatherless. And um, it was kind of a study, a character study on some of these infamous intellectuals who came from either fatherless homes or homes that had a bad father. And that certainly explains Wilhelm Reich. It explains, you know, Marx had this terrible relationship with his father. You and I talked about this before. And, um, And a chapter of my book, The Devil and Karl Marx, I quote a letter from Heinrich Marx, his father, who um, asks his son if if the spirit in his heart is a heavenly spirit or Faustian, if he's being governed by a demon, as he put it. And and he and Marx had this split to the point where when when his when his when the father died, Karl Marx didn't even go to the father's funeral. Wow. So so that that's the case with many of these guys. Wilhelm Reich, another um, Eric Fromm, right? Remember Eric Fromm? He you know he was a, a psychologist who who was out of the Frankfurt School, and and to pick up on that point that in the last segment, if yeah, if you go to Wikipedia. And you type in, you, you, you Google cultural Marxism, what pops up is this phrase that says that it's this anti-Semitic conspiracy theory, right? But, 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 but as, as is, if the Frankfurt School and Ordorno and Marcuse and Reich didn't exist? Right, and, and, and as, as if they weren't applying Marxism to culture, right? And that's what they were doing. There was, was a culturally-based Marxism, right? So what should we call it? Not cultural Marxism? Do you prefer to call it um, Marxism applied to culture? <laughs> well, we call uh, Marxism applied to sex, sexual Marxism. We call Marxism applied to gender, gender Marxism. Marxism applied to race, race Marxism. So Marxism applied to culture has always been called cultural Marxism. 
Marxism. And the founders of the Frankfurt School, to get really specific about this, um, two guys in particular, Max Horkheimer, okay, and Theodore Adorno. And, uh, and it was they, Horkheimer in particular, who brought the Frankfurt School to America through Columbia University in the 1920s. And Horkheimer and Adorno, and I have these details if people want to look it up in my article for the American Spectator, Cultural Marxism and Its Conspirators, they had a book called The Dialectic of Enlightenment, and they had a chapter in there called The Culture Industry. All right? That's the, they called it The Culture Industry. And if, and if you go to the About section of People's World, which today is the flagship publication of the Communist Party USA, it replaced the Daily Worker. They have a call there, Seb, for what they call cultural workers, cultural workers, all right? They're not calling for steel workers. You know, my family is from Western Pennsylvania. They were steel workers, um, coal miners. They're not calling for coal miners. All the West Virginia coal miners all vote for Trump, right? They've given up on that. Their new target now are cultural workers, all right? They're interested in the barista at Starbucks, right? They're not focused on the factory floor. They're focused on the classroom floor. They're they're looking at I, I mean these are the areas for for their for their future recruits um, George Lukash who was uh, the the cultural commissar for the Hungarian government of, of Bela Kuhn, right, in yeah. the late 1910s. That's where your family is from. Um, he was a cultural commissar. These were Marxists applying their craft to culture. They're cultural Marxists, and these are the people today, along with the race-based Marxists, that are really upsetting and wreaking havoc in a lot of America and in American culture. We'll talk about a uh, little Vulcan mind bell there. We'll talk about the race-based Marxists next. We're talking to Paul Kangor from Grove City College, the editor-in-chief of the American Spectator. Go there right now, spectator.org. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First one-on-one. If you want to make sure you never miss anything we have to share with you, make sure that you are following us on all social media. We are everywhere that matters. Just look for my name, Seb Gorka or Sebastian Gorka, on Truth Social, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, Parler, Getter, Telegram. You can watch us. Yes, we are a TV show as well on your Roku, your Fire Stick device, or just get the Salem News Channel app. And for unique content from me, I think it's been practically daily for the last week, go to my Substack, SebastianGorka.substack.com, where you'll get direct access to me as well. That's SebastianGorka, as one word, .substack.com. Whether it's the regular Hellcat or whether it's the compensated RDP with that miniature red dot, I love them all. How did it take so long to invent a factory compensated subcompact 9mm? Well, guess what? Springfield did it, and I'm a huge fan, and I'm Sebastian Gorka. The Hellcat from Springfield Armory is still the smallest, highest capacity micro-compact in the world. Available in standard or optics-ready configurations, class-leading capacity of the Hellcat gives you 11 plus 1 with the standard magazine and 13 plus 1 with the included extended mag. The definitive concealed carry pistol is here. The Hellcat from Springfield Armory gives you the capacity to defend. If you enjoy... 
The Deep Dive with our very good guests, real experts, true newsmakers. Please support those that make the show possible. Great patriots like Mike Lindell. Did you get something in your Christmas stocking that you didn't expect and it wasn't really that exciting? Maybe that'll be the case a week from now. If you want to treat yourself or if you need a last-minute stocking stuffer, check out the more than 200 items at MyPillow.com. Mike Lindell has an amazing selection of items made by Americans here in America from the my pillow pet beds that my dogs Killian, Leia and now Titus love to my favorites the sheepskin line slippers get up to 66% off with my name and just because it's you Mike's going to give you free Christmas shipping call your order right now talk to a human being don't buy that Chinese garbage on Amazon the number 800-829-8468 mypillow.com that's 800 800- 829-8468, mypillow.com. But for the maximal discounts and the free shipping, the secret code is G-O-R-K-A. So um, you mentioned, Paul, the, the race-based Marxism. It seems as if the, you know, the obvious switch is uh, in the last 40 years, the Marxists took uh, Gramsci's analysis seriously they realize pitting the workers against the capitalists isn't going to work in a country like america so we've got to find the new dividing line and the new dividing line has to be men or women sexual orientation straight versus gay and then the race based the whites are the oppressors vice everybody else you've got a little bit of a you know tinge to your pallor unless you're yellow because i guess asians you know they 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 are being discriminated against by the likes of Harvard and and Yale. But if you're brown, if you're black, then uh, you must be the oppressed. Talk to us. Explain how Black Lives Matter fits into all of this. And I'm curious, uh, I may be overthinking it, but it seems to me that their brand has rather withered on the vine. Will they be uh, resuscitated for the next election? Talk to us about BLM. Yeah, the key here is Herbert Marcuse and Angela Davis as the connection to the Frankfurt School. But let me back up one step. So uh, mention this, too. You mentioned Gramsci. So Gramsci was an Italian Marxist, so he wasn't part of the Frankfurt School. But he, too, was about what he called cultural hegemony. Right. So applying Marxism to the to the engines of culture, the conveyor belts of culture. Um, there's a phrase associated with him. Actually, somebody else said it, but but about the long march through the institutions. And the foremost expert on Gramsci in the United States was a man by by the name of Joseph Buttigieg, who's the father of Pete Buttigieg. Okay, <laughs> Mayor Pete. And, and wasn't it until very Pete. recently, because he, he died maybe two years ago, what was it, he the did. website for the American Socialists had some kind of hagiography on their front page for, for Boot yes, Edge's father? That's right. The International Gramsci Society was founded by, by Pete Buttigieg's father, Joseph Buttigieg, who was a professor at Notre Dame, of, of all things. And if you actually read the prison notebooks edited by Joseph Buttigieg, he credits, he acknowledges his son Pete in the acknowledgments for Pete's help with indexing. Among other things, Pete Buttigieg, that would be... Can I just repeat, in case you missed the significance of what the professor just said, the father of one of the cabinet members in the Biden administration was the leading author and translator of one of the most important cultural Marxists in the 20th century, correct? 
That's exactly right. Pete, the guy who talks about racist bridges. Okay. (laughs) And if that seems like an absolutely idiotic statement, that's something that I would expect from somebody um, who's an expert on Antonio Gramsci. And, and his father was an admirer of Gramsci. So, uh, yeah, so that, that's the modern Gramsci connection all the way literally into the cabinet of uh, Joseph Biden. You can't make this stuff up, right? You can't make this up. Now, as to the, the connection with BLM and, and, and those groups, yeah, and going back to the Frankfurt School, the most famous Frankfurt School wasn't Theodore Adorno or Max Horkheimer, who were the founders. Eric Fromm, he was really well known. But probably definitely the most famous was Herbert Marcuse. So it's spelled Marcuse, but it's pronounced Marcuse. So Marcuse comes to Columbia University, to America, with Adorno, with Horkheimer in the 1930s. He becomes this guru to the 1960s new left, weather underground. Um, SDS, right? Mark Rudd, Bernardine Dorn, yeah. um, who was Bernardine Dorn's sweetheart? Bill Ayers, right? right? So Bernardine and Bill Ayers, from whom Barack Obama actually launched his political career in their living room, all right, when he first ran for state senator in, in, in Illinois. New York Times even wrote about this, I think circa 1995. Um, but, but, but they were, so Marcuse was a guru to Bill Ayers, Bernardine Dorn, Mark Rudd, SDS, Weather Underground. Most of all, he was a direct guru mentor to his doctoral dissertation student, Angela Davis. Angela Davis is the most famous female Marxist living in America today. In fact, she ran for vice president of the United States on the Communist Party USA ticket in the 1970s, along with Gus Hall. Um, and Barack Obama's CIA director, John Brennan, said he actually voted for that ticket for president of the United States in 1980. <laughs> John Brennan, Obama's CIA director, didn't vote for Carter or Reagan. He voted for Gus Hall and Angela Davis in 1980. That's Barack Obama's CIA director. So um, Angela Davis became and is America's most famous um, female Marxist, and she's a race Marxist. Yeah. So she, she's black. She's a black woman. She is, and now the mentoring continues. She's also mentor to the founder of BLM, Patrice Cullors. And yeah. if you look in Patrice Cullors' memoirs, which is called um, How I Became a, Something About Being a Terrorist, what they call me, I can't remember the name of it right now. But the preface is written by Angela Davis. So um, the Frankfurt School, a direct line from Herbert Marcuse to Angela Davis to Patrice Cullors today, in, the founder in, uh, of BLM. In, in English, in unacademic terms, uh, the way we conclude is there are no coincidences. We're talking one-on-one with Professor Paul Kengor. Spectator.org is the website. You must bookmark right now. We are coming to you from the relieffactor.com studios. Relief Factor, pain relief that works, pain relief that's real, pain relief that is liberating over a million Americans right now, including me. Yes, I had a low back pain issue that plagued me for nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor, Two weeks later, I was pain-free, and I'm still pain-free. It'll be five years now in January. That should be your story. That could be your story. I think 
You need to know if it works for you like it works for me. How do you find out? It's super easy. You order the three-week quick starter pack at relieffactor.com. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do, and I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee. By the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you like it works for me and over a million of your fellow Americans. Find out today. Call right now. 1-800-THE-NUMBER-4-RELIEF. ReliefFactor.com. Write the number down. Don't wait another nanosecond. 1-800-473-5433. ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com. My Pillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever and just in time for Christmas. For a limited time, get the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as 29.98, pillowcases for only 9.98 and rejuvenate your bed with a My Pillow mattress topper for as low as 99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows and so much more all with deals that are happening now. They are also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2024, making them the perfect gift for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com and use promo code GORKA or call 800-829-8468 and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98 and get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Someone very profoundly once said many years ago that if fascism ever comes to America, it'll come in the name of liberalism. And what is fascism? Fascism is private ownership, private enterprise, but total government control and regulation. Well, isn't this the liberal philosophy? The conservative, so-called, is the one that says less government, get off my back, get out of my pocket. Isn't that exactly what we are witnessing today? The totalitarians taking over under the label, the guise of liberalism. Oh, how we miss the likes of Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, and St. John Paul II. Uh, You are listening to America First One-on-One with me, your host, Sebastian Gorka. It's Dr. G Mark II. What do I mean by that? Well, thanks to the great offices of Dr. Ashley Lucas and her amazing team at My PhD Weight Loss, I recently lost 42 pounds. My wife, Katie, 36, which means she had to buy a whole new wardrobe. Yeah, for a good reason, and she's very excited. And my colleague, Mike Gallagher, look, he had more to lose, but we respect his 53-pound drop in weight, which, more importantly, he has kept off. Those are the success stories. If you've struggled, as I have, find out a system that can work for you. Just call right now Dr. Ashley Lucas's team on 864-644-1900. The before and after pictures at myphdweightloss.com are all you need to know. If I could do it, anyone can. 864-644-1900, myphdweightloss.com. So um, when we listen to that warning from the late, great Ronald Reagan, when we see Antifa, BLM run riot across the nation, when we see the DOJ, the FBI target a former, and God willing, if we do our part, future president, when we see the January Sixers getting 22-year custodial sentences, despite some of them not even being in Washington, D.C. on the day of the troubles, would, would we have to conclude, uh, Professor Kengor, that the cultural Marxism is working? 
That's one of my favorite quotes, the one that you played from Reagan. And in fact, um, Alexander Trachtenberg, who was the American representative for the Soviet GPU, he said that several times to Bella Dodd. And I had mentioned that Angela Davis is the most uh, famous female Marxist living today. Um, Bella Dodd in her day in the 1930s and 1940s was kind of like a female Whitaker Chambers. She was one of the highest ranking members of the Communist Party. She ended up leaving the party, which was a, was a big deal. But Trachtenberg told her, he said, um, you know, when when socialism comes to America, right, when communism comes to America, it will become it will come in benign labels like uh, like progressive, liberal, uh, progressive. Or, or liberal. It'll, it'll talk about things like equity, equity, social justice. They use the word social justice and, and democracy too. Bella Dodd said, oh, democracy. Oh. It's all they say, democracy, democracy, democracy. And, and in fact, uh, Vladimir Lenin talked about democracy. He said, yeah, we support democracy. What do we mean by democracy? Democracy means equality. So for the communists, you know, that, that's a word, as, as Belladon and the others said, it's a trick, right? It's palatable, right? Um, oh, we believe in democracy, too. Uh, as Belladon said, they call it economic democracy, meaning like economic equality. So when I hear these people at MSNBC say things like, January 6th, a threat to our democracy, our democracy. And, and, and right, we scratch our head and we're like, what are they talking about? I, I, what do they mean by that? Do they mean... The threat to like Jefferson and Madison and the Bill of Rights and the right to like vote and what are they talking about? We're a representative republic, right? right? What they mean a completely different thing, right? So for them, yeah, dem democracy means equity, equality, but but it means it in a way that they intended. We, yeah, you and I think so. We think, oh yeah, equality, equity, it's a good thing, right? Now they mean it in a completely different way. Uh, they'll mean it in terms of you know um, sexual equality, LGBTQ equality, uh, environmental equality and equity, economic equity and equality. So they have all kinds of other ideas that that, that they're pushing with. They don't mean it in the same way that we do. Would you say, um, well, as you know, the foremost historian on, on the Cold War, are you surprised by where America is today? No, because I, we saw all of this coming. I was going to say I, but you saw it too. When um, I, I was in a, we were both students in the 1980s, right? Right. And when the, when Reagan gave that speech at the Brandenburg Gate in November 1989, I remember coming home as a pre-med student at the University of Pittsburgh and turning on the evening news and watching that and, and cheering. I thought, whoa, what was that? I remember talking to Peter Robinson, who wrote the Tear Down This Wall speech, and Peter told me, too, he said, you know, I was there, I went ahead of time to the, do the advanced research for the speech for the Brandenburg Gate. I wrote it, but I wasn't there when Reagan gave it. And Peter said, I remember watching it on TV, waiting for that line to come and thinking, oh, man, that was good, <laughs> right? That's even better than I thought. That was so good. And that year, 1989, 1990, I graduated in May 1990. I was the edit editorial page editor for my student newspaper, the Pitt News. And I remember thinking, wow, we won. You know, we won. We won the Cold War. But then I went to graduate school in the 1990s. And I saw that none of these lessons of the Cold War, uh, the, the, the communism that we defeated were being taught. 
And by the year circa 2000, groups like um, the Young America's Foundation, ISI, Intercollegiate Studies Institute, they suddenly started hosting me going around the country, speaking on college campuses, giving talks with titles like Why Communism is Bad. (laughs) <laughs> I would get these desperate pleas from these college Republican presidents. Could you please come here and give a talk of why communism, communism is bad? Because we have Marxist professors and we have students that are calling themselves communists. Wow. And they don't even know why Reagan tore down, tore down the Berlin Wall. So I could see it all coming. And, and one of my warnings was if we don't teach these lessons of the Cold War, this is going to come back and bite us. And we're going to be voting for socialists yeah. in 20 years. And yeah. that's what we did in 2016 and 2020. Look how many of them voted for Bernie Sanders, yeah. of all things. He saw it coming. That's why he's educating the next generation at Grove City College. And that's why he is the editor-in-chief of that superb outfit, The Spectator, The American Spectator. Check it out. Bookmark it right now at spectator.org. You're listening to America First one-on-one with me, Sebastian Walker, coming to you from just outside the insalubrious, fetid, rank, malodorous, noisome swamp that is Washington, D.C. How about... A very special Christmas gift. Is there somebody in your family or friend who suffers from daily pain? I was there for nine years for almost a decade. My mother suffered with rheumatoid arthritis for more than 20 years. It was hard to watch her, especially as a child, have to deal with that. It changes the way people look at the future, their favorite hobbies, even their relationships with their loved ones. If I had known about Relief Factor back then, I would have saved up my pocket money and bought it for my mother. But today, you do have that option. Order the three-week quick starter pack right now at relieffactor.com. The ingredients attack the source of the pain, which is the inflammation on four separate metabolic pathways with proven anti-inflammatories like resveratrol, curcumin, and omega-3s. Don't wait another day or gift it to a friend, to a loved one who is in need. Call right now, 1-800-4-RELIEF-RELIEFFACTOR.COM. That number, write it down, please. 1-800-473-5433, relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. If three hours of radio with me simply isn't enough, or if you just want to get to know patriots like yourselves who are taking back the country every single day, why not join us for our Patriots Alaska cruise? Last year, we went to the Holy Land with 350 of our dearest listeners. This time, we're going to revel in God's beauty in the far north of Alaska over July 4th weekend. 
Uh, I'll be taking my muse, Katie. We'll be joined by Jennifer Horn, our West Coast warrior princess, and a couple of other surprise guests. We've Book the ship. It's ready. Get all the details. Join us for the trip of a lifetime. I've never been to Alaska. I've never even been on a cruise. Go to sebgorka.com and click on the Patriots Alaska Cruise. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, sebgorka.com, and the Patriots Alaska Cruise. I guarantee you will enjoy it. All right, uh, last segment we have with you always flies by far too, far too fast for me, Professor. Uh, Let's just listen to... The current incumbent of the White House says something that really comes right out of the Marxist, if not the Maoist, playbook. Children are the kite strings. They're not somebody else's. They're all our children. Are the kite strings that lift our national ambitions aloft. And you hold those strings. You hold those strings. On the 4th of July, the current president said they are all our children. Isn't that right out of Marxism? I had a hard time even understanding what the man was saying. You know, it's uh, that's another question. Just, that's another question. <laughs> not just intellectually, but uh, fortunately, we have this on screen, and there is a lady doing sign language there. <laughs> I don't know sign language, but I think I had an easier time understanding her almost than I did Biden. Um, I don't. I don't know what he means by that. But it's interesting that you would play that because in the last segment we were talking about how um, Pete Buttigieg is now in the Biden cabinet. You know, there was once a time when when Joe Biden was fairly moderate on foreign policy. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, the or, guy or even was on abortion the or all kinds of things. That's exactly right. I mean, at one point in the late 1970s, he supported the Hyde Amendment, right? And he didn't flip on the Hyde Amendment until, I think it was July 2019 in Atlanta. I wrote a piece on this for the American Spectator. Under the badgering, the hounding, the bawling and hissing and crying of Kamala Harris and uh, and Elizabeth Warren, who sat up there sobbing, the Hyde Amendment, And and then Biden flipped on it, just like that. And that was, and that for me was a real moment that uh, you know we were kind of hoping that well all right we're going to nominate the old guy Biden at least they're nominating someone who's a bit more to the middle yeah. he's turned out to be this, this radical leftist yeah who, he, he, who I think he's, he's really completely just, he's genuflected to the likes of the squad hasn't he yeah he really has he really has across the board. Yeah. You know, sexual issues, gender issues, abortion, social, moral issues. I mean, the guy's Roman Catholic. At one point on the abortion issue, he wasn't terrible. He was never good on the issue. All right. But he probably had a, you know, a NARAL National Abortion Rights Action League rating, a pro-life rating right. somewhere closer to the to the middle. Right. But now the guy would get a big fat zero on pro-life issues and on foreign policy. I mean, he used to be kind of a Cold War Democrat. Yeah. Uh, but but it's, it, 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 he's somebody who should have learned these lessons of the Cold War. Right. Uh, that ought to be applying them today to China and elsewhere. But he's just drifted along with the zeitgeist and the, the spirit of the time and the winds of the culture. And all the lefties in his cabinet, the Buttigieg's, the Kamala Harris's and others, are just tugging him right along with them. So it's it, with them. So it's really sad to see. Yeah, there are no Cold War or even just reasonable Democrats left. Uh, as my friend Chris Plant says, uh, often right. John F. Kennedy wouldn't be allowed in today's Democrat Party. Uh, I wish not. you, Professor Kangor, a very merry, blessed and restful Christmas. If you are listening to this show, if this was not enough for you, make sure you are following all of his colleagues at spectator.org and check out any work with his name on The Spine is Worth Your Time from the devil and Karl Marx to Dupes to Bella Dodd to a Pope and a President. They are all worth your time. 
I'm Sebastian Gorka. You've been listening to America First one-on-one. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, keep your head on a swivel. Watch your six. Hold the line. Never give up. Never give in. And stay frosty. brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. The world will little note or long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people... America First with Sebastian Gorka. Why was the 14th Amendment brought? When was it brought? It was brought in 1868, after the deadliest conflict America has ever been involved in. Not fighting foreign enemies, but fighting amongst ourselves. Brother against brother, cousin against cousin, father against son. 600,000 dead. That was the Civil War. Afterwards, we wanted to protect ourselves from people who involved in a rebellion or an insurrection, destabilizing the country. And the way the amendment works is to state that those who have been found guilty, according to a later amendment or passage in the 14th Amendment, of insurrection, of rebellion, of aiding and abetting our enemies, a very important phrase, would be barred from holding public office. Now, if you're a loyal listener of this show, and we do have the best listeners, you've heard me Read the 14th Amendment out loud live on air. It's quite a short passage. I've mentioned it on my Newsmax show. I'll be having to mention it again on Sunday, given what occurred last night. There's one title, one position in the long enumeration of specific titles that is deliberately left out of the 14th Amendment. And that is, of course the President of the United States, who is not an officer of the government. I was an officer of the government. For five and a half years, I was a civil servant in the Department of Defense, where I taught irregular warfare. Then I became, on 12 o'clock, January the 20th, 2017, a politically commissioned officer 
of the President of the United States. I have a very large vellum document framed on my wall at home, signed by the President of the United States and the then Secretary of State, appointing me as strategist, as deputy assistant to the President of the United States. That made me an officer of the United States. But my boss, the President, isn't an officer of the United States. Why? Because he's elected by the Electoral College. He's not appointed. He's not confirmed by the Senate. He's chosen by the people of America via this ingenious technique, this modality that is the Electoral College to make sure that rural areas, that the non-urban centers are represented in our federal elections just as equitably as the massive cities that are, of course, left-leaning. So, what happened in Colorado in the Supreme Court yesterday, where the majority, five to four, all five of whom turn out to have been educated Ivy League colleges, and the four who dissented went to the University of Denver. That's interesting in and of itself. That decision to bar President Trump's name from being listed on the primary ballots this March is illegal. On multiple counts, not least of which the fact that the amendment it cites has no relevance to the President of the United States. And even if it did, the hundreds of pages of that decision, with some very, very vocal dissent reference footnotes, is clear that it's their opinion that President Trump was involved in an insurrection and aided a bed in a rebellion. Well, that doesn't matter in America. Opinions don't matter in a court of law. It's whether you are convicted in a court of law. If I think Joe Biden is a pedophile, if his behavior with young children in public leads me to think based upon also the diary entries of his daughter about what he did with her when she was a teenager, make me think, yes, he's a pedophile, that doesn't legally make him one. Not in America. Maybe in North Korea when the statement of somebody important is treated as fact. But this is not North Korea. This isn't Enver Hodges, Albania. This isn't Honecker's East Germany or Ceausescu's Romania. This is the United States of America. Yesterday's decision is about one thing and one thing alone. It fits a fact pattern going back to a month before the election in 2016, in October, when the then president, President Obama, in the presence of his vice president, Joe Biden, directed, gave permission, authorized the then head of the FBI, James Comey, the then head of the CIA, John Brennan, to initiate the first ever tri-agency intelligence operation against a presidential candidate. It's called Operation Crossfire Hurricane, with one intention, 
to use what they knew to be a fallacious smear document, the so-called Christopher Steele dossier, to impute, quote-unquote, Russian collusion between that campaign and the Kremlin. That was the beginning. But for the last seven years, the fact pattern has included not just that, Operation Crossfire Hurricane, targeting the likes of Mike Flynn, George Papadopoulos, Carter Page, Paul Manafort, and on and on and on. It included, of course, what else? The Mueller probe for 20 months at a cost of $40 million that you paid for. Impeachment one, impeachment two, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, the January 6th committee, the Alvin Bragg indictments, the Fannie Willis indictments, Jack Smith, Judge Chutkan, Judge Engeron, and now the Colorado Supreme Court. If we cannot identify yesterday's decision as just one more aspect of election interference, then we don't deserve to call ourselves Americans. We are no longer Republicans or Democrats. We are patriots and those who hate America and do not want you to have the right to choose your president. The fact that yesterday, not only did they say President Trump's name may not be on the ballot, you in Colorado are not permitted to even write his name manually into the ballot is proof of who the true threat to our republic is. They are. From Comey to Brennan to Obama to Biden to Jack Smith to Fannie Willis to Engeron, to Churkan, and to the Colorado Supreme Court, they don't simply have an utter contempt for you. They have an utter contempt for the truth and the rule of law. So much to discuss with amazing guests, and you are dear friends. Please stay here on America First. Make sure you never miss any of our long-form interviews with the real experts, the true, true newsmakers. Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just put in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Do leave us a five-star review and share the links with your friends. And if you stand with President Trump, if you have had it with the quote-unquote elite trying to deny you your rights, stand with him now. Get the bundle with his yard sign, the mug, the photograph of his booking photograph, the message Trump 2024, and the large I stand with 45 Trump 2024 flag. Get it today. Tell the world you've had enough. SebGorkaStore.com. So much more. S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, SebGorkaStore.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.